Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes from discomfort. My guest this week is Sam Weinberg, and he is the executive director of Path to Progress, which is a group that is developing the future of progressive policy and shifting and building political power for young Americans. I really enjoyed talking with Sam about his work. So without further ado, let's get started with this episode featuring Sam Weinberg. Right now, I'm the executive director of an organization called Path to Progress, which uh, our goal is basically to shift conversations nationally toward young people and toward um, the American people away from big corporations and lobbying firms and all of the things that make politics in the U.S. Um, less uh, less less good than it should be. Um, so essentially, uh, what that means is engaging young people, supporting candidates who share our values, uh, being in touch with elected officials, um, uh, and and advocating for specific policies. But on top of that, and especially right now, this year with um, with a split Congress and with only a few local elections, um, that really means pushing certain issues and promoting uh, policies that we think are going to be on the forefront of of everyone's minds. Uh, you know, five, ten years from now, like right now, a lot of the things that we're talking about politically, culturally, are things that would not have been uh, really even fathomable like a decade or two ago. Student debt cancellation and uh, marijuana decriminalization, these are things that have happened relatively quickly, even though for people um, who are our age, it feels like a while, because like for me, you know, it was like half my life ago that Obama won his second term and then the conversations were were so so very different from what we're having right now. So we're trying to think like 10 years from now in 2033, what are we going to be talking about and how can we make that happen much sooner than that? That's so interesting. And I'm really looking forward to talking with you more about this work that you're doing with Path to Progress. But I would also love to know more about what got you started with this work. What inspired you to get involved with politics and then get involved with Path to Progress in the first place? Um, you know, I think I think my entry into the world of progressive politics was it wasn't accidental, but it feels kind of accidental. Um, I've always been a, a fairly political person, and I, I think I've always been conscious of things uh, about the country and about the world that I am dissatisfied with and want to change or at least want to criticize or analyze or think about. And. But my my current position um, with with Path to Progress, the organization, uh, came out of advocacy for Joe Biden, trying to get progressives to vote for Joe Biden in 2020. Um, then after that, I pivoted into doing some more big picture stuff that didn't revolve around one candidate, thinking about like the underlying issues with why progressives and young people felt like they had to sort of acquiesce to voting for Joe Biden or conditioning themselves to and thinking about like, What's wrong with our politics? What's wrong with our political system where people feel like they're not represented by either of the major candidates uh, in the presidential election? And, you know, the the solutions there are are not things that I think are going to come anytime soon, like ranked choice voting, nonpartisan primaries, abolition of the Electoral College. There are definite solutions to to our political problems and, and to the reasons that lots of young people feel left out. There are superficial solutions which are like making people 
um, feel more heard and talking to elected officials about certain policies. But there are really those those are, you know, I guess they're they're not superficial, superficial, but they're less superficial that they're more superficial, excuse me, than the sort of fundamental structural shifts that we really need in order to discourage apathy and encourage people to get out there and be engaged with their communities, whether that means voting or something else. So those three things I listed, um, ranked choice voting, nonpartisan primaries, electoral college abolition. I don't I don't really see those things happening in the next 10 years or so, but that's the the whole point of what Path to Progress is doing. We're trying to shift the Overton window toward the present, toward um toward young people and trying to make our voices heard in that way. Um that's that's sort of a I mean it's it's a condensed version of how of how Path to Progress started, but that's uh that's basically the gist of it, yeah. That's kind of the perfect segue because I want you to just kind of continue with that explanation and go deeper into the work that Path to Progress is doing. Tell me more about what your work is like with the organization now. I mean, right now the, the organization is pretty loosely um, organized. Uh, the word organization is is not um, maybe the most accurate label, but we we are working toward becoming a 501c4 nonprofit. Um, hopefully that's going to happen in the next couple of months. Uh, right now I'm taking a semester off of college to focus on that and focus on the organization and actually building it up. Um, we're in a we're in a really weird position because most organizations, um, you know, build sort of inside out where they establish themselves and their mission and then have to focus on their public facing appearance. We were in an odd situation where we had um, and still have this uh, pretty significant social media following, highlighting issues day to day that we think are important, but then not really having the resources or the capacity to do things internally that we need to be doing. So that's the shift that we're that we're making right now, trying to build things up internally and start fundraising. Right now, everything is unpaid. Um, we have a really dedicated team of volunteers who who do this, you know, just for free and and um, often at the expense of other obligations. Most people who are involved are either in college or grad school or working like entry level jobs, everyone involved is in their teens or twenties. Um, and that's like the, that's the focus now sort of solidifying our, um, our structure. And then, like I said, it, over the next two years, focusing on issue amplification, trying to bring um, to the forefront of our conversations issues that aren't necessarily being talked about as much as we think they should be. Um, so medical debt cancellation, free college, um, some of these things are things that haven't been talked about at all. Some of them like free college, uh, were things that only seem to have been highlighted during presidential election cycles. Then people sort of forget about them. Um, you know, student debt and, um, marijuana decriminalization have, have been exceptions over the past, uh, two, two and a half years, but. There are so many other issues that get that get lost um, in the cracks between presidential election cycles, and we want to keep keep up the energy there. So you're working on a bunch of different policy issues with the organization, and you mentioned a few of your hopes for the future of American politics. Can you tell me more about what changes you're hoping to see through your work and the work you're doing with Path to Progress? I know that's kind of a broad question, but I would love to get your thoughts. Well, no, I, I really like the question because 
that's something that we talk about internally with Path to Progress all the time is that like the the goalposts keep shifting. What what we want to strive for keeps keeps shifting, and that's sort of um, something that I see as as a major flaw with the progressive left right now is that people. Um, have this sort of all or nothing attitude sometimes not everyone um and certainly not always but there's there there there's a segment of of the progressive left that um would rather have nothing happen than have something even if it's not enough happen so that's sort of our attitude we'll you know we'll take the little bit of incremental change we can get when we can get it because that is still meaningful and then we'll continue to push for more um the the horizon like keeps shifting further and further and the goalposts keep changing, but we're going to keep pushing for those things. And, and uh, that's sort of just like the, I don't know, it's, it's both beautiful and annoying about the passage of time that, that new things come to the forefront and we have to, we have to address them. So I really don't know what issues we're going to be talking about, um, you know, in, in five or 10 years um, or, or maybe even in like, five or 10 days, but we're, we're pushing for those specific issues, especially ones that affect young people. Um, and, and basically just, just ones that are going to make everyone's lives, uh, easier and more enjoyable. That's so interesting. And you mentioned that path progress is led by Gen Z and your team is made up of young people. And I've met so many Gen Zers who are so fired up about politics and have created their own organizations and use their voices to raise awareness about issues they're passionate about. So I would love to get your thoughts on Gen Z and politics going forward. Based on the work that you've done with young people in politics so far, what are your predictions for Gen Z's engagement with politics in the future? I mean, comfort sort of leads to complicity or compliance, I think. And so as long as Gen Zers are uncomfortable, as long as our quality of life isn't where it should be, then I think people are going to be really, really active and up in arms. Um, but that sort of discomfort can also, as we've seen, like can can lead to apathy and disinterest. So it'll be a weird combination, right? Gen Z is incredibly politically active, yet there's also this mostly false um, reputation that we have of being lazy and uninvolved. And I, I'm not really apolitical, but, you know, people who don't vote, people who um, are, are not as involved as they should be in, in certain ways. And I don't know. I mean, I, the, the hope, I guess, is that we'll, we'll reach a a point where we are comfortable enough, stable enough, secure enough when it comes to our finances, the climate, um, and so many other things that that people will be will will have fewer reasons to be angry, but that they'll still uh, remain involved politically on on behalf of people who are less less fortunate. So yeah, it's it's hard to predict, but I think that. I think that we're going to see continued youth engagement. Like, you know, there were the the predictions of like a so-called red wave um, in the midterms are a good indication of this. And young voters turned out um, and and sort of staved that off. Um, this, you know, some of that's just like a, a talking point, but there's there's a lot of truth to it, too. Even though young voter turnout in the midterms was nowhere near where it should have been, like between 18 and 29 uh, young voters turned out at like 27 or 28 percent. And that's the second highest ever in a midterm election, which is fantastic. But 
it also means that almost three quarters of young people who were eligible to vote just didn't for some reason. And so that's also, you know, that's the other, um, the other part of it. And we'll probably see higher voter turnout um, among young people in 2024, especially if Republicans nominate someone who's very extreme, which I think is likely. Uh, but it really shouldn't take discomfort or extremism to mobilize people. Everyone should want to be involved no matter what. And that's that's another big part of, of what I'm trying to push for and the people I work with are trying to push for as well. That's interesting. And I think that point about being uncomfortable or being dissatisfied by something in your life or by something your government is doing as well is interesting. So thank you for bringing that up. I have one more question for you. Lots of young people, especially high school students and college students, want to create change, but they may not know how to get started with that work. Do you have any advice for those people who may be listening? I think it depends on the kind of on the kind of work and advocacy that people want to be doing. And and I, I don't really want to I don't know, I don't I don't want to be limited in my answer because I think young people generally are really resourceful and we know how to I, I, in my experience, people people my age, people our age know how to get involved. And if they don't, there are, there are plenty of organizations that can point them in the right direction. You know, Path to Progress is always looking for people to get involved. There are great other youth-led organizations that do similar work. Um, Voters of Tomorrow, Gen Z for Change, 18 by Vote, March for Our Lives. There's like, there's so many, and so many of them focus on specific policy areas. So people who are broadly interested, you know, Voters of Tomorrow, Path to Progress, those are great organizations. People who are specifically interested in climate change. There's, you know, Sunrise Movement and Extinction Rebellion, people interested in in gun violence prevention, March for Our Lives. There's um, there's lots of organizations to get involved with. And if, if people identify an area that's underserved or completely unserved, then, you know, it's, it's not that difficult um, in my experience to um, be sort of a self-starter in the advocacy space and really carve out a niche for yourself and your cause. I really enjoyed learning about Path to Progress and the work Sam is doing with the organization. I want to highlight Sam's point about the connection between discomfort and involvement in politics. Sam talked about how when people are uncomfortable with something in their lives, that is when they become engaged in politics. Many of my past guests have talked about how they got started in advocacy, activism, or other forms of making change because they recognized something that made them uncomfortable or something they disliked in their lives. Discomfort is what drives people to the ballot box to vote, to the streets to protest, to their city council meetings to advocate for themselves, and, in so many cases, change comes from discomfort. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can find Sam on Instagram at Sam Weinberg to get connected with him. You can also find Path to Progress on Instagram at Path, then the number two, Progress, to learn more about the work the organization is doing. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.